0: Hello and welcome to this week's Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vasa. Hi, Roxanne.
1: Hi Neil, so this week we will cover European tech exits for Q1, we'll take a look at an unexpected Nokia acquisition in France, we'll discuss Rocket Internet's Global Fashion Group and their recent down round at $1 valuation, Robin, our editor-in-chief, catches up with Unu Motors, and finally, House Trip and One Fine Stay were both acquired within the last month, so Neil and I will take a look at what's going on in the holiday home rental space. So let's jump right in with a look at Europe's tech exits for Q1 of this year. Seems the overall analysis is that there was an increase in the number of deals, but a decrease in the overall valuation. So that means 179 deals, which is up 15% from last quarter. And the total valuation was 24 billion euros, which is actually a drop in 14% from last year. Non-VC-backed companies did slightly better, making up 52% of the deals. VC-backed companies made up 86 of the 179 deals and totaled in $3.1 billion in valuations. So which is the biggest acquisition in 2016 so far? That is Nokia's 15.6 billion euro acquisition of Alcatel Lucent. That was in January of this year. Lots of publications have actually reported that everything is essentially M&A in terms of exits, but tech.eu actually tracked five IPOs since the beginning of this year, which is actually the best start to a year since 2014.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, all these publications reporting there were no tech IPOs in the first quarter, are literally just talking about America, mainly because most of the publications are American. But there are certainly IPOs happening in Europe. They're not massive. But then again, they never really have been in Europe. Uh, we've never had these big, big companies going public or very occasionally a couple of year, perhaps. But, you know, we've never really had that. But what we do have is these kind of consistent companies going public, you know, maybe not even on the biggest markets, but a lot of activity on First North, for example, and the secondary market there. We're seeing regular IPOs from European companies in a kind of two to three hundred million dollar mark with market cap, which is, you know, by no means a small exit when you look at the wider picture, right? So, yeah, IPOs are happening in Europe. The market hasn't slowed down. There hasn't been a massive tech IPO yet, but there may not be. You know, that's kind of normal for Europe. But as we discussed before on a podcast, and as I said at the end of last year, we may all of a sudden see a big influx of European IPOs. You know, if some of these rocket backed ones finally do go an IPO, like Home24, whatever, uh, Delivery Hero, even, if they manage to kind of IPO and do a good job, we may all of a sudden just see this big influx. So yeah, I think IPO market, you know, you can't really judge it too much on a quarter in Europe, but I certainly wouldn't say it's bad news. I'd say it's kind of business as usual. And like you say, actually, it's probably the best start to the year we've had.
1: And I find this really interesting. But what could actually explain the drop in valuation? Is this something we should care
0: about? Um, I don't think it's something we should care about too much. I mean, you know, some deals are disclosed, some aren't, some close in different quarters. So it's really hard to kind of judge quarter by quarter whether we should care about the total amount. I do think kind of number of exits is, is probably the key metric. But I don't know, one theory could be, or at least my theory is, Perhaps it is because U.S. acquisitions have dropped slightly. So this is kind of a trend which TechEU has spotted and reported. And actually, the amount of acquisitions by U.S.-based companies have gone down. So it's actually 21% in Q1, which is the lowest in two years. And if you look at the value of acquisitions when a American company is involved, they're typically a lot higher. So there was only 17 done in the first three months combined, they accounted for 1.3 billion of the 24. So, you know, it's a significant amount. And actually, three of the top five exits in the region came from US companies buying European companies. So my theory is this, you know, it's probably not responsible for the drop in value, but there's certainly kind of a correlation between the two of US companies kind of dropping down a bit in acquisitions and the total value dropping down as well.
1: Very interesting. So for more information on Europe's tech exits in Q1, our listeners can purchase the full tech.eu report on our website for either £99 or €128. Now we had a bit of an unexpected acquisition by Nokia in France last week. So French IoT startup WeThings was acquired for €170 million For anyone who hasn't heard of this company, specializes in connected digital health devices. They got very famous for their connected scale, but since then have also been getting a lot of attention for their smart health watch, different thermometers and blood pressure monitors and more. So the company founded in 2008 has actually raised 30 million euros to date with BPI France and a few French funds, ID Invest Partners, Ventec and 360 Capital. Rajiv Suri, who's president and CEO of Nokia, stated that this acquisition is meant to strengthen Nokia's play in the IoT space. I guess no real surprise there. But WeThings currently employs uh, about 200 people in France, the UK, Hong Kong, and the US. And surprisingly, 50% of its customer base is actually in the US versus only 10% in France. I'll be really honest, this is a great play for Nokia, but I really wasn't expecting WeThings to sell to such a brand.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that as well. I think it was a bit of a surprise acquisition. I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, in terms of Nokia's point of view, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for the area they want to go into. They're very kind of focused on IoT. They set up a 100 million euro fund last year for French startups in IoT. So in that respect, we shouldn't be too surprised. And health is an area which is really strategically of interest to in Nokia right now. And if you want to be stereotypical, Finns are actually really, really innovative in this area as well and doing really, really well in it. So that side of things makes a lot of sense. I think the biggest surprise for me was actually the acquisition price. I know I just said kind of, couple hundred million euros isn't an exit price to be sniffed at. But this is, in my opinion, one of Europe's most promising IoT startups. So to be sold for 170 million when there's kind of still such a, a long journey to go, I mean, IPO is kind of not the end of the road, but it's kind of markedly down the road, right? Women's are still quite early. So to sell for 170 million euros to me is... The biggest surprise. And I thought it was it was kind of ironic or funny or uh, I don't know, it just caught my attention at pretty much at the same time that kind of this was announced Europe's one of the most promising IoT startups sold for 170 million. In China, a company raised four and a half billion at 60 billion valuation. And these two stories kind of broke at the same time. And I just thought it was quite interesting kind of just putting what's happening in Europe alongside what's happening in Asia. Uh, yeah, that was quite amusing to me.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you that that amount isn't what I was expecting either. And I guess I just wasn't expecting them to sell at all, really. So this kind of the whole thing just was a big surprise. But regardless, uh, very happy for the team and obviously very happy for Nokia. So, next we have Rocket Internet's Global Fashion Group, which secured 300 million in funding. But before you go thinking this is great news for the German tech giant, this actually values the company at 1 billion versus 3.1 billion last time they raised. So, for anyone who doesn't know Global Fashion Group, it's a Rocket owned holding company that owns La Moda, Zamora, The Iconic, and more. Essentially, there's a total of six companies within that group. They last raised 150 million, less than a 3.1 billion valuation. And their recent 300 million euro funding is actually clearly a down round. Some investors are attributing this to the struggling economies in Russia and Brazil that these companies are exposed to. Rocket itself is actually putting 100 million into this round and Swedish fund Kinnevik is also pitching into the deal. If you look at what Reuters is talking about, this is essentially the first real down round in Rocket's portfolio, uh, which could also explain why Rocket's stock price has fallen 41% since since October 2014 IPO.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of a, a big story, really, because I, I think this is the biggest down round we've seen in Europe so far. And I've kind of defended the slowdown and kind of everything is great in Europe has is, is kind of long been my view. But here we go. Here's a big, big down round but there are some reasons behind this i mean firstly frankly the the original valuation is was just unfathomable at 3.1 billion before and it only raised 181 in total at that point so for me the the kind of calculations just didn't add up now they're valued at 1 billion with nearly half a billion in the bank in terms of capital so for me to kind of value the company in terms of at least looking at this kind of classic metric of how much have they raised compared to how much they're valued. All of a sudden, you're going from one end of the scale to the other. So, you know, the maths on this never added up in the first place. So that's one thing to point out is that realistically, I think that valuation in the first place was way, way, way too high. So it's no surprise at all to see a down round. The second thing to point out is Kinovic also valued them lower than this anyway. And there was a really interesting piece going around recently kind of comparing the companies that kinovic and rocket internet had invested in together and looked at each valuation that they gave for these companies and they're very very variant rocket internet is always always above kinovic's valuation so rocket do kind of almost set themselves up for something like this because they do value their companies a lot higher. But there is something to point out there as well, is it's based on their methodology. So whereas Rocket report their valuations on what was the valuation at the last time capital was raised by the company, Kinovic actually kind of constantly adjusts their valuations and look at what is that company worth right now. So yes, it may have gone down, it may have gone up. Typically, they've gone down. But Kinovic employ a different methodology than Rocket. So there's also a big reason for the differences is because of that methodology. But Rocket's methodology has obviously come under attack because you know compared to Kinovic's, is not looking very accurate.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out on future down rounds, but hopefully this isn't going to be a growing trend. Now, our editor-in-chief, sometimes we call him our CEO or our king, Robin, uh, has a chance to catch up with Unu Motors. So this is a Berlin-based company that develops a smart electric scooter.
2: Hey, this is Robin Waters from uh, TechU. I'm here with uh, Elias from Unu Motors. It's actually an electric scooter company based in Berlin. Um, So tell us more about this electric scooter that you're building.
3: Yeah, so um, we make electric scooters, as you said, um, with portable batteries that you can just take out and charge in your home, in your office, at any regular outlet. And yeah, the idea is basically to have the best, most viable mobility solution to connect people with the city again, like the cheapest, easiest to use, fastest solution. Right.
2: Obviously, there's a lot of momentum in this space, especially in the car yeah. uh, market with Tesla, especially yeah. with the new model that just came out. <clears throat> so, you're riding this wave, I assume. What differentiates you? What makes you different from other
3: electronic scooter
2: companies out there?
3: Yeah, I think, first of all, there aren't many e scooter companies that uh, basically develop their own models. Yeah. Most so called e scooter companies just import Chinese models. But among those that do, how do we differentiate ourselves? So first of all, it's pricing. So our scooter is basically half the price of the competition, because it starts at 1,700 euros. Second is the the appeal, the design, which is uh, in contrast to most other electric scooters, like uh, actually uh, approachable and not that techy. And the third thing is the usability. So that whole thing with the battery that I just explained to you is super easy to use, plug in, unplug, and the whole scooter in general is super easy to use. So we have a lot of customers who have never owned a scooter before, and for, for them, it's like riding a bike. They just jump on it and start driving. You will see later if you do
2: a test ride. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so you sell in three countries now, five by the end of this year? Yeah. Uh, in Europe. So what does it take for you to launch in a country at
3: all? Um actually not much because we we produce in Asia. We we don't have any local local warehouses or anything factories. We also have a servicing partnership international with Bosch, Bosch Service. So if we want to launch in a new country, we basically just have to establish um the logistics yeah so we f- have to find a local delivery partner and we have to acquire a service coverage from bosch which is also super easy for us and that's it because you also don't have any dealers yeah so you can go to our website and buy the scooter there and that's it yeah.
2: cut out the middleman. so i i guess that's also the reason why you keep your prices as low as they are exactly um, yeah um so how long have you been on the market uh, on the market for about one and a half years now okay
3: how's it going how many units have you sold so far Quite well. So in the first year and uh, first twelve months, we already reached four digits, which is really amazing. And now we're starting into our second summer. Obviously, we have a seasonal product, so we already now we have double the sales um, figures than we had uh, early last year. So right. it's going quite well.
2: And you also mentioned to me like you
3: have weekly updates uh, of the scooters. So can you explain that? Yeah. So historically, we had we basically produce every week because we um, our business model is or has been built to order. So people. Order a scooter and then we build it the week after and ship it right to the doorstep. Um, that all, not only enables us to not uh, you know not invest a lot of money into pre-production, but also it enables us to constantly update the product based on user feedback. Right. So that's the idea.
2: Cool. Well, it's a it seems to me like a little bit of a capital incentive business, especially compared to like pure software companies. But then you've only raised about two million euros so far in total, yeah. which seems to me quite low for you know the.
3: The venture that you're undertaking here. So, yeah. do you see yourself raising more funding soon? I would like to, to jump in for into the question because um, the business may seem capital intensive, but it, it's not in the end um, the way we do it. Because again, we, we're not pre producing anything, so we don't invest any money, and we don't have any debt capital. Um, that's one thing, and also the second thing how we did product development so far is we partnered up with companies like LG or Bosch, etc., and developed together with them also. Um, with them investing a lot of money into the development from their side. So that kind of uh, allowed us to launch the first product with, I think, 350K in, in, um, in funding. But yeah, for the future, um, we are actually right now in the process of uh, raising money. Uh, but more, more on that soon, yeah. Sure. So how big a market do you reckon this is? How big a market? <laughs> if you, I think the, the scooter or electric scooter market alone is huge that by itself, but uh, the way we we don't we don't see ourselves as, uh, as an electric scooter company. Uh, this is just our first product and first step into space. And what we are seeing is what you described at the beginning, that the whole mobility market is kind of turned upside down right now. We have three major trends with electric mobility, uh, mobility as a service, which is sharing, and autonomous driving, which hit the market at the same time, which is, I think, pretty unique. And... Uh, the way mobility works right now will be completely like, wiped out. Like with taxis or public transport or cars, scooters, they all will kind of uh, need to make place for like new mobility options. And so if you're asking how big the market is, it's basically the whole mobility market we're tackling. Yeah, Pretty the big. whole urban mobility market. Pretty big.
2: right? right, let's go drive one. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Thank you, Elias.
1: And finally, the what-the-fuck moment of the podcast. I don't know if we should keep calling it this. It seems our listeners liked it last time. Essentially, we want to discuss what's happening in the holiday home rental space in Europe. So a few weeks ago, French Accor Hotels Group announced that it would be acquiring UK-based luxury home rentals company One Fine Stay, and that was for just under 150 million euros. This past week, TripAdvisor went after Swiss startup HouseTrip, acquiring the company for an undisclosed amount. Neil, what's your opinion on this? What's going on?
0: Um, Well, I think it's consolidation, right? I mean, we've often talked on this podcast about when a space is crowded and people are doing literally the same thing, but in different markets or or kind of different spaces, then this is a kind of natural outcome. So, yeah, to me, it's consolidation. I think what's concerning here, what's interesting here is – low exits, So none of them are kind of spectacular. All of them are pretty low. I mean, they're barely being communicated and investors who have invested in these companies aren't even briefing in the press or kind of speaking about it. So there's a telling sign there that these are not exits to kind of be shouting from the rooftops about. They're more kind of, you know, almost get out of jail free cards uh, and kind of just, uh, yeah, this is the best outcome for this company right now. So let's take it. So I think it's, it's a big sign. Sign on consolidation and also a worrying sign around that consolidation and perhaps a, a kind of warning for other verticals as well.
1: Yeah, apparently, Accor Group actually has its own online booking site, and it will be adding a number of One Fine Stays properties to its site. Um, it also plans to invest a further sixty-four million euros to grow the company to forty-five cities, uh, and that will be within the next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least this makes kind of the the uh, price seem a little bit more reasonable if they're throwing sixty-four million in as well to invest and grow the company. So that's a promising sign. Of course, it doesn't really matter to the investors that they're doing that or well, the previous investors in one fine stay of course they don't benefit from that but at least it does make the the prospects of the company still look pretty promising
1: yeah, and interestingly, um, I actually read that the Accor CEO had mentioned in an interview he was pleased with a few aspects of the company, including the fact that One Fine Stay was started by people under 35 years of age and completely familiar with the online and digital space. Similarly, TripAdvisor has a number of holiday home rental sites. I guess House Trip will be joining FlipKey, Holiday Letting, uh, VacationHomeRentals.com, to name a few, um, and this will all be part of the TripAdvisor portfolio.
0: I don't know why, but just all those names, they all sound kind of so similar and, and kind of doing similar things. that I'm already kind of confused just from just from what you just said there. I have no idea who owns who or who's part of what. Um, but I guess that's a, a kind of big sign as well to, to kind of what's going on here. So they're all kind of getting sucked up and, and everything's just becoming... Uh, one, So I, I think that there's going to be more acquisitions in this space. It's clearly a kind of very active space right now. So it's definitely one we should keep an eye on. But that's it for this week. We'll, of course, be back next week. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast. Please give us your feedback. We had a great email last week about Estonia and what we talked about there and someone giving us some great intel on what is happening, so we will update on that in a future podcast. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Neil SW Murray, at Roxanne Vaza, at tech underscore eu, and, of course, the website is tech.eu. But that's it. Thank you, Roxanne.
1: Thanks, Neil.